Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. If you'd like to grab a seat. Um, one, of the, one of the rituals that we have in young adults kind of ministry is we do a pilgrimage. And uh, each year or sometimes a couple times a year, we do a pilgrimage to a, a sacred place called Mount Barney. <laughs> and um, has anyone been to Mount Barney? Here's a few people. Yeah. Um, it is a beautiful place. It's really cold. And it's a, we usually do a three-day three hike uh, around the load of portals. And it's a fantastic trip. And uh, we have a, a lot of fun there. Uh, the, last, well, the second last trip we went there, it didn't end particularly well. Um, on our trip, we, you know, we get asked at the beginning of the trip, is the water safe to drink? And yes, you know, we've never had an issue, it's fine, don't worry about chlorine tablets, just, just send it, just come, and it'll be great. And um, the, the second last trip we went on, um, something wasn't great, because on the last day we, we all suffered. And uh, we didn't finish well, unless you define finishing well as spending a, a, a ridiculously long time on the toilet. Uh, but that was how we finished the trip. It was dysentery. If you want to know details, have a chat to uh, Sam. Uh, he has a very vivid description of that trip. Um, but there was, there was a problem, and the problem was upstream. You know, we could look at the, a whole lot of things of where did things go wrong, but the reality is, is the, the success of that trip came to the source of where we were getting our water. We were drinking water that was contaminated. We don't know what by, but upstream. Uh, there's a saying that I really like. It says this, we are perfectly designed and operating to run and achieve the results we are currently achieving. If we want to change results, we need to change our design. It's what's, what's flowing upstream that's affecting us now. What's, what are the things in our lives? What's the pipeline of development that is affecting how we live and our outcome now? now? Now, Jesus has called us to follow him and to become Christ-like. And I can look at my life and think, oh, gee, there's, there's not as much fruit as I would like. And I'd probably suggest that there's probably not as much fruit as what God would like in my life. And there's a whole lot of things that I, could, I can blame. I can blame lots of different things. I can blame the pastors. I can blame the church. I can blame the structures. I can blame all these things. But ultimately, there's a, there's a, if, the, if the fruit isn't there, there's something not right in my life. Or there's something that's limiting what God is wanting to do. What are we producing? Are we doing the same thing each week and expecting different results? And that's a kind of confronting question if we look at it, uh, what it looks like. Are we, are we happy with the fruit that God is generating in our lives now. I mean, it's, His Spirit is wanting and willing and longing to generate spiritual fruit in our lives. And we, we have the, the list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We've, we have these, the spectrum of, of fruit that God is wanting to generate. Um, but there's something that often gets in the way and stops that. And instead of looking at my circumstances and blaming other people, I need to have a good look at what is the source, what is flowing upstream that may be limiting. And I think Jesus really speaks into that in a really significant way. 
Uh, he, he speaks in this parable about a discipleship journey. He talks, he's talking about a discipleship. Uh, how, maybe how we are following Jesus is limiting what he is doing in us. If we were to do an honest audit of our lives, how would that look? You know, if we're honestly, you know, we do that with our taxation, you know, we do a budget, we do a bit of an audit, and from time to time we look at how are things really going in our lives. And if Jesus was to do an audit on our lives, if he had to do a spiritual audit, how would we fare? Would he be happy with us? Would he be happy with us as a church? You know, you read Revelations chapter 2 and 3, and you see a fairly confronting response to the churches. It's, a, it's a recognizing that we are not what becoming what God is calling us to become, and there's such a need. And this is not a guilt trip. This is not a, hey, bad you. This is a reality that God is wanting us to be bearers of fruit, to have massive fruit. You know, I went outside, and there's these lemons that are just ginormous out there, huge fruit. God wants us to have abundant fruit that he is generating in our lives. Finishing well is more about how I walk with God. Generating fruit is about my walk with God. That, that, that's where we really need to land. And uh, Jesus highlights four common responses, four types of walks with him. We call it discipleship journeys. There's four types of soil that are in this story. Um, Jesus tells a story and then he explains it. So in verses 8 uh, chapter 8, 4 to 9, he tells the story, the parable, and then in verses 9 to 15, he unpacks it. So we're going to read that together because I think it's significant. And uh, I'm excited about this because it's a really big question of, you know, what is God, what is the challenge that God has for us today uh, that would can change this, the way we dis- are discipled, the way that we are fed, the way that we grow? All right, excellent. Uh, While a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And uh, we know in verse 11, the seed is the word of God. Uh, But this this parable is not primarily a salvation message. It's not primarily saying about people coming into faith. It's primarily a discipleship becoming Christ-like. This parable is geared towards people becoming Christ-like. Um, the focus of the parable is the soil, not the seeds. The seeds is the word of God. The, the focus is on the different four different types of soil that are there. And the first soil that we see is hard soil. And uh, as in verse 5 it says this, As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. In verse 12, Jesus unpacks it. He says, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Uh, this, this seed has never had a chance to develop. And there's, there's often a lot of things that can stop us from growing in faith, but one of the biggest things is having a hard heart. And uh, a footpath where the seeds were sown, you know, this is a... Uh, agrarian culture, and they would have known this analogy, you know, a sack of seeds on the farmer's back and sowing seeds, some would tumble onto a hard path. Uh, It never had a chance to take root. It never had a chance to to grow and develop. And there's there's a lot of people who accept faith with their lips, but there's never allowed the good news of Jesus to change and take hold of their life and to develop 
Uh, it, it, if God's word doesn't take root in our lives, it will be robbed and stripped away. That you know, we can focus on the the devil. I don't think the focus is on the devil in this passage. I think the focus is on the fact that it didn't go into the the soil. The soil was hard, um, and and the reality is, if something doesn't take root, is easily robbed. If it, intellectually, if someone is able to int- to convince you intellectually only to become a Christian, someone smarter can take you out of that faith if it's purely intellectual pursuit. And so there's this, we can be robbed, our faith, our, we, we can rob, be robbed from growing and developing and, and take, God's word taking hold of our lives because it hasn't translated beyond like an intellect or an emotion, it hasn't translated into our heart. And that hardness of heart is, is a reality that for many of us, uh, we can have. Now, we can have hard hearts for lots of different reasons. There's a, there's a thousand, I can give you a thousand reasons why you can have a hard heart. You had bad church experiences, bad pastors, bad people in your life. Bad, you know, I love that shirt that says, Jesus, please save me from your people. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Like We as Christians have given the world a lot of reasons to have hard hearts. Um, but we all need to stand before God and give it account. Do we have hard hearts towards what God is doing? Now, this is not just the salvation message. This is also a discipleship message. So having hard hearts is something that can, can start, it usually starts uh, later in life. And what I mean is this. Um, we make a big deal about kids' ministry and youth in this church because kids start with a soft heart. They don't start with this, this hard, calloused heart. And the statistics back this all the way. You know, Scripture Union put out that about 85% of, of people come to faith before the age of 18. There's a softness in young people. And that's why we're doing everything we can to get the message and the good news of Jesus into our young people because there's a softness and an openness and a receptiveness there to, to not just know God, but to grow in Him. And so if, if you're a believer today and, and you've accepted the message of Jesus, you can still have a hard heart and, and, and re- reject the, the good news, the good work or God's Word is, that's desiring to, to, to produce fruit in your life. We can develop hard hearts we can have really bad experiences that shut us off from the ongoing transformative work of the Holy Spirit. So easy to do. And sometimes we, we sort of need to do a, a health check, and sometimes it's a daily thing, sometimes it's an hourly thing, sometimes it's minute by minute, moment by moment of, God, I'm sorry that my heart is hard. hard. I'm sorry that, uh, that my reactions, my attitudes have developed and stopped you, what you are wanting to grow and develop in my life. And we choose to keep our hearts soft. It's a choice we make to have a soft heart towards God. Hebrews 3.8, do not harden your hearts. There we go. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during this time of testing in the wilderness. This is really significant. We choose as believers to keep our hearts soft so that God can continue his good work in us and continue to change us. But there's a persistence in this. This is, a, this is not just a one, one-time thing. This is a keep going back to the cross. Keep offloading our burdens to God. And, and it's hard. It's not always convenient. It's not always easy. But it's this persistence that gets us there, that keeps our heart soft. The second soil is the parched and dehydrated soil. Thirsty soil. 
Uh, Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Uh, Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. This is, this is the soil that believe, for believers who have made a profession of faith but have done nothing with it. Just simply accepting that Jesus is Lord and sat back and hoped that God would put on cruise control and fix the, the areas in their life, fix their circumstances, come and rescue them. It's just like cruise control. It's like Tesla, you know, like just sit in a new Tesla and just take me where I want to go. Um, there's, there's problems in that. They're still trying to work those bugs out. And, you know, our, our challenge as, as believers is we're not called to sit in cruise control. We're, sit, we're called to be active in our faith, active in engaging with Him, engaging with God. Um, Sometimes we, we, we flirt with faith. We don't commit to it. We don't devote to God. Uh, we have a token effort. Um, this, is, this is soil, this thirsty soil is thirsty because it ha- it's got like a casual relationship with God. It's like us having a casual kind of, yeah, when it's convenient relationship with God. Uh, we haven't allowed or put, our, put ourselves in a place to be watered. Now, I have um, these plants at home. Um, called tiger plants, I believe. Um, Also, mother-in-law tongue, I think. I was trying to work out. I'm like, there's so many things I could say in this space, but I won't um, because this service is recorded. The next service, I'm free. Uh, But um, um, it's also snake plant. Is that snake, tiger? Yeah, anyway, so there's a whole lot of connections there I will not make. Um, But um, I had these plants at the backyard, and I moved them to our front yard because I'm like, I didn't even know we had them. We cut a tree down, and we're like, lo and behold, we have these things. So we moved them to the front of our house, and um, I I thought I did everything right, but they're all kind of dying. So if you drive past our house, uh, you'll see a whole lot of these things struggling, like really, really struggling. They are uh, dying out for moisture. Um, we didn't water them before, and we're not watering them now, but they somehow got fed. They, they somehow got water. Uh, maybe we had a burst pipe out the backyard. I don't know. Uh, but there was a, a capacity for them to be fed, and, um, but they weren't, it wasn't convenient for us. So we wanted them at the front because we wanted to look at them. Um, and and, and this, this issue of convenience often stops things getting watered. And that's true in our lives, spiritually. Convenience will stop us from being watered. And convenience is like, well, it's not, it's not always convenient to spend time with God. It's not always convenient to, to, to drop what you need to do and, and spend time with the important things. It's, it, it can be a challenge. Uh, would we consider moving our diaries around and, and sacrifice convenience and comfort to ensure that we are being fed. See, this is significant. God's like, hey, I want you guys to have fruit. I want you guys to have an abundant harvest. I want you guys to be blessed and the community and the world around you to experience my love through you. But if you're not watered, you're not connected, you're not going to be producing anything. It's through the vine. Jesus is the vine as we connect with him. We can't do anything without him. Spiritually, our spiritual development is, is through relationship with God. Now, um, when I was in the army, there was a, a saying that, that, that went around. It's that smart generals fo- don't focus on strategy. They focus on supply. And it's something that I probably, probably Putin and a bunch of people can learn from today. <laughs> but uh, supply is significant. You know, so we can spend our time strategizing, trying to find the perfect 
discipleship pattern, the perfect model of church. We can tweak things, we can adjust things. But ultimately, it's the supply from God himself, us spending time with him, that is everything. It's that devotion to him that pays dividends. It's not having perfect doctrine. You know, good doctrine is great because it guides us and steers us, but the emphasis is devotion of following him. That is the source, and that is the, the, the thing that's going to enable us to persist and to end and finish well. Have we got good water? Have we got a good supply coming in? I wonder how many of our uh, relational, emotional, and circumstantial problems have continued because our spirit within us is dehydrated, shriveled up, and spiritually malnourished. Now, that's between you and God. I'm not going to say, you know, put your hand up if you're malnourished. Um, that's a conversation you need to have with God. You know, how, how am I spiritually? A- am I experiencing fruit in my life? Am I experiencing your goodness? Am I, if I was to compare my, my life 12 months ago, have I seen an increase in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? And, and are these things developing in my life? Because if we're fed and our hearts are right, they ought to. If they're not, we might need to consider the state of the soil, the state of the condition of our heart. The third soil is this. It's the contested soil. This is the the drift towards insignificance. Uh, Verse 7, Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. In verse 14, Jesus explains, he said, That seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Uh, This describes the busy worries and distractions of this world. Uh, uh, And we talked about this often because the priorities in our our world are often out of kilt. There's a lovely little book called The Tyranny of the Urgent, and I'm sure a number of you have probably read it. And it it talks about this tension between the important and the urgent, and that important things get pushed aside because urgent things come up that we need to deal with right now. And, And we can do that for a day, a week, maybe a month, but if we keep pushing back the important things in our lives because urgent things come up, are we going to neglect some of the more important things? And an example would be typically in, in marriages. There are a number of marriages that I'm work, working along with and, uh, that have, have come to this place of they are important, but other urgent things have pushed them to the side. And, um, you know, one of the things that often comes up is kids. Kids are, I'm not saying that they're not important, but, but kids often have a lot of things that need attention right now. They're like, you know, demanding and it's great. Um, and, and we can deal with the kids, we can focus on the kids for a certain amount of time, but ultimately, if we don't reconnect with our spouse, that relationship is going to suffer. And the same in a spiritual sense. There are a lot of urgent things in our lives, good things that are urgent in our lives that come up and get our attention. But often we can neglect the longer, deeper relationship that God is calling us to because we allow things to jump up and grab our attention. Priorities. This, is the, this one is just about reprioritizing our lives, giving up the good things to take hold of the best things that God has for us. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. All things are permissible, not all things are beneficial. We can fill our lives with great things. Have we got the best thing in our life? Have we got that Jesus, that spending time with him? Uh, 
God never intended his people to be workaholics. Uh, the fourth soil is this, and this is the good one. We want to get to this one, I know. Uh, it's a, the noble heart, uh, the good soil. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil, came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So this is production that happens. Now, I'm going, I have just been to Bunnings and... And this, if you're wondering what it is, it's, it's called a worm cafe, but it's a, it's a compost bin. And uh, for a long time, my wife and I have been thinking about, you know, what are we actually going to do with our garden? Our gardens, we, we don't have a green farm. We really don't know what we're doing in the garden at all. And because of Google and the capacity to learn amazing amount of crazy things that you never thought you'd want to know, um, we, we're learning that compost is awesome. And so in my mind, okay, compost. So what we do... What I have done for the last six months is been throwing garden uh, food scraps on top of the garden, just spreading them, just sending it, and um, thinking, oh, you know, you know, it's going to help. There's good things in them, and it's kind of uh, that'll, that'll work out well. Well, what it has done is uh, it's attracted a whole lot of flies. It has bugs, insects. It smells horrible. It's gross. My dog won't even go near it. Um, <laughs> And, and so dealing with, with all, all the things, the rubbish from our, from our family and just putting it in the garden is, hasn't, is not a solution. And uh, what I want to su- suggest today is that with our lives, dealing with the circumstances and all the attitudes and emotions in our lives, just spreading them is not a solution. But you see, the beauty of a compost is that you can bring everything to a place that processes it and breaks it down. And this is, this, is, this is so key because in our life, if we want to have good soil, if we want God to generate great things in our lives, we've got to take all our things to him. You see, we, you know, I have a bad attitude. It's like, I, you know, this week I'm like, God, I'm really struggling with an attitude. And God, I just spent time with him and then he started to break it down. You see, inside all this, the scraps and all the rubbish in our lives, there's good things that God is wanting to draw from them. When our attitudes are broken down with God, he brings out beautiful things that he wants to develop and grow in us. See, food scraps can be a bad thing. They can be an eyesore. They can be disgusting. But if we take it to the right place and it breaks down, it creates great soil. And in our spiritual lives, this is why we keep talking about, guys, we we need to spend time with God. And I'm not just talking the bad things in our life. Yeah, we're very easy to give God all our problems. But I'm talking, like Paul talked about last week, about our good things, about our money, our being wise with all that we have. When we take everything to God, he, he breaks it down, he, he creates something beautiful, he, and it, it softens our heart, and the conditions of our heart is in a place that he can multiply. Because I don't know about you, but all, uh, this world needs a church that's bearing fruit, there's, there's, there's so much that this world is like, there's no evidence of God. But you know what? A church that's bearing fruit is the greatest sign of God. People see it, they experience it, it's genuine, it's authentic, it's real. You know, often we, we want signs and wonders and miraculous. But the transformed heart is the greatest testimony of God. No one else can transform hearts the way that God does. But if, if we're taking everything to God, allowing Him to do that work of transforming and processing developing us, we will see 
amazing fruit. And this is that godly character. It is a byproduct of what we do with our experiences. And this needs regular attention. Compost bins, you don't just throw stuff in there. It needs attention. You turn it over. I'm learning you've got to spray special spray stuff. Um, spray, spray, spray. And there's worms in there. And so there's a process. But it needs attention. You just got to keep, you can't just drop it and run away. And sometimes we just drop God our problems and we say, like, you know, fix my situation, God. Uh, and God's like, well, actually, I want you to do something about this. Maybe the way you're acting is out of line. Maybe there's something that is God is pushing on your heart that you know that you're doing that he doesn't want you to do. Respond to it. That's, that's what engaging with God through this process to keep our hearts right before him. And we can trust God. This compost bin doesn't care about the rubbish I put in it. Well, it's not yet. I haven't even started it. But it doesn't, it doesn't care about that. And, and, and then the reality is, is God doesn't care about the state or the, or the things we have done or, the, or the, the pain and the brokenness of our lives. He, he's not going to judge us on it. He's a good heavenly father. And, and whilst I was a chief of sinners, Christ died for me. You know, it's like it's not about my condition. It's not about what I can do. It's about taking everything to the Lord in prayer. It's about taking our situation, our experiences, and allowing God to generate fruit through it. Come to me, all of you are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And the, the biggest issue with this is, is, is an issue of surrender. And this is, this is a really big thing. You see, those first three soils really come down to an acceptance of God with our lips, a token acceptance. It might be intellectual acceptance. Maybe, maybe it's just a, a tradition that you've accepted, a relationship or walk with God, but you haven't engaged your heart. See, there's, there's many Christians that, that um, haven't really engaged in a discipleship journey with their spirit. They haven't surrendered to him. And I think the surrender is really, really key. The surrender is, is significant for God developing in your life. See, until we're willing to surrender our will, we are, we are limiting what God can do in and through us. Jesus said, not my will but yours be done. See, the cross isn't just, isn't just a concept or a means of salvation. It's the model of transformation. The cross, it's that surrender. Jesus surrendered his physical will to God to be then used by God. And it's, that's for us, that's a call for us as disciples. How good is that? that? That I can surrender my expectations and surrendering the outcome of my life. You know, that, that's, let's put it in, in words that we use today. When I surrender the expectation, the outcome of my life to God and say, God, I'm happy and willing. Let's go where you want to go. I'm not going to try and determine how my life turns out, but I'm happy to trust you to work as hard as I can and do as well as I can at everything. Trust you for the outcome. Do you know what you have? You have peace in your life. And, and this fruit that starts to generate, I don't need to micromanage everyone and everything in my life. I can simply trust God because I'm going to him with my experiences. It's that will not my will, but yours be done. This is the noble heart. My question to us today is uh, what soil best demonstrates your heart condition? And this, this can be a confronting question. 
Have you got a, had, a, had a hard heart? Are there attitudes in your life that, are, that have yeah, stopped you from engaging with God? I, I've had this before. I've been driven into church and someone cut me off in the car park. Do you think I could sit there and worship God? No. Like it was, it was a, my heart wasn't here. My mouth was singing, but my heart was cut me off, you know. Um, but that hardness of heart's a real thing, and it's not just a once thing. It's a look, we've got to persist in coming to God and just saying, I surrender my right to be right. I surrender my hurts, my, my expectations, my pains, because I want God to grow in me and develop in me fruit. My kids need fruit to, in their dad. They, they are blessed. My wife is blessed when God's generating fruit in my life. In fact, every relationship in your life is blessed when God is developing fruit in your life. And this is a call to discipleship. This is exciting, church. This is not a, you know, oh, no, I've got to change. No, this is exciting. God is an incredible power, wants to birth transformation in our lives to be more like him. Maybe your life is parched. Maybe, maybe that thought of, you know, have I been spending time with God? Maybe there's a trickle of guilt going down. Don't, don't, don't sit in guilt, but just respond to it. You know, the, the enemy will, will give us guilt, Jesus calls us to respond. And so if the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, Sam, maybe, maybe your priorities are out of whack. Maybe you actually need to actually look at your diary and consider, what, was, what does God want my diary to look like? That's a confronting thought. What does my daily time look like? And this is what I mean, taking everything to God will significantly transform and change your life. And by persevering, they produce a crop. This persevering is, look, this is unfortunate, and this is not unfortunate, but this is inconvenient. Taking things to God is inconvenient. If our life is driven by comfort and convenience, we're really never going to become what God is calling us to become. We persevere to the end. Awesome. There's a, um, when I was a kid, there was a Pantene, uh, you know Pantene conditioner? Um, ad that said, um, I'll get it right, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Now, I'm still waiting for it to happen, uh, but, but there's a, a general sense here that this is going to take time. And I mean that, is that, you know, all, this whole parable is, is a time narrative. It's, it takes time for the weeds to grow up and choke. It takes time for fruit to generate. It takes time for a harvest. It takes time for things to wither. It takes time with God. And sometimes we can get, you know, I'm impatient. I'm like, God, you know, I've been praying for this. I prayed for this twice. Why haven't I seen results? Three times if I'm feeling really spiritual. But, you know, we're talking about a journey. And this is like, this is where the persistent kicks in, is that I keep going back to God. I keep going back to Him because He is faithful, because He loves me, because He wants the absolute bestest life for me. That is why I persist. It's a career. Our greatest, you know, we're called as to be career Christians. It's not a hobby. Being a Christian is not a hobby. It's a career choice. It's like, I'm going to faithfully follow you, God. That's my job. And even if I wasn't a pastor, it would be my job. If you're a builder, a teacher, a politician, whatever your thing is, your first career is to follow Jesus. That is your first calling. 
before being a parent, before being a, a spouse, before being anything else, your career calling is to follow Jesus. That is exciting. That is wonderful. But that also confronts a whole lot of selfish Sam, the ugly side of Sam. Matthew 27 says this. He says, Many will come on the last day saying, I have done all these things. Jesus said, Depart from me, I never knew you. There's that relational devotion with God that, that is key to our discipleship journey. In closing, because everyone likes those words, uh, there's a, uh, my youth group pastor when I was young, so last week, um, he, he, said, he said to me, he said, Sam, you know, he talked to a whole group, he wasn't talking to me, but he said, guys, in our, in our youth, 70% of you statistically within 10 years are not going to be walking in a faith journey. And I'm like, oh, no, you got that wrong. Surely not. Looking at the room, I'm like, there was a passion of people who love Jesus. We're worshipping, praying, reading a Bible together. I'm like, no way, no way. But my experience has been that number is probably more than that. And I made a commitment at a young age that, that I wouldn't want to be in that 70%, that I wanted to persist and follow God through the hardships, through the, the trying times that I keep going back to God, that I bring all my attitudes that rob me of intimacy with him, I keep giving them back, that he would break them down and he would produce good fruit in my life. The condition I choose to keep my heart in determines the fruitfulness of my life and the capacity God can work through me to rescue, love and restore this world. We are all called to be a disciple of someone or something. As a believer, we're called to be a disciple of Jesus, to become like him, to be changed and transformed by his spirit. What soil conditions is in your life? What changes in your life in the short term will have that significant long-term effect of finishing well? Not everyone is going to finish well. Will you? I want to hear those words when I die. Well done, good and faithful servant. Those words, I want them to be embedded in, in who I am. I want to finish well. And, and that's hard. It's hard. But we persist and we put effort in. We don't get knocked around. We keep going back to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you firstly that uh, you are good uh, and that you, you care about us. Uh, care about us enough to not leave us in our state that we're in. Uh, Lord, you want us to be set free from sin. You want us to be set free from the things that, that hold us in bondage. You want us to be set free from the hurt and the brokenness and the bitterness. Lord, you want us to have restored relationships in our lives. You, Lord, you want us to have these good things. Lord, would we trust you enough with the good that you want, that we would go to you, that we would allow you to transform our lives. So, Lord, we, we want to surrender to you today. Lord, if it's, if it's issues in our life, Lord, maybe it's control, maybe it's our control of money or people or relationships. Lord, would we surrender the things that consume our attention to you? Would we hand them over to you knowing that you are our ultimate good? You are the best thing that can ever happen to us. Uh, Lord, would that resonate with us throughout a week? Lord, if we're dry and parched, Lord, if we're thirsty, would we go to your living well, Lord? You, are, you produce living water that not just feeds us, it nourishes us. Uh, Lord, we want your 
word to translate and to, to, to permeate through our entire being. So, Lord, we commit to you today, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the blessing of being called a follower of you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.